Maureen, thank you so much for inviting me to come and speak to you today about um, your early life and your, your, your time with Iris at, it's a uh, pleasure. At, at, at St Anne's. I wonder if we could start off by talking a little bit about your early life before Oxford, um, about your education, about your family background, if you'd be happy to do yes. that. Um, certainly. I was born in Luton um, and I went to a um, prep school in Luton um, until I was 11 and I fully expected, I did the 11 plus and I was offered a place at Luton High School for Girls, um, which was um, a grammar school. And I fully expected to go as a day girl mm -hmm. to uh, the Luton High School for Girls. And I was really rather devastated that my father said, actually, no, that's not the plan. Um, he knew that within a couple of years he was going to have to move for his job um, uh, hundreds of miles away. He worked, he was a, an industrial chemist and he worked for Laporte Industries, which was at that time based in Luton. And he knew that he was going in a couple of years to um, uh, be in charge of building a, a new factory um, near Grimsby. Um, on the Humber mm -hmm. and um, he decided that he didn't want to disrupt my education um, by keep making me keep changing schools so I was sent as a boarder to a St Albans High School for Girls um, which at that time it was, a, it was about 30 miles from Luton but of course I then um, I, after a couple of years, my parents moved up uh, to Lincolnshire, uh, which was a very long way. I had, I was very fortunate, I think, in my education at St Albans High School for Girls, in many ways, not always. Um, but I have to say that, um, to some extent, it was my father who... Um, went to see the headmistress when I was, I suppose, 16 or by um, 16, 17, I'd, got, I'd done extremely well at O-level, I was working for A-levels, and my father said to the headmistress, um, I'd like Maureen to go to Oxford. And she said, oh, I think that's a bit ambitious. <laughs> uh, he had not been to university, so I was the first um, member of the family to go to university. I was an only child. Okay. Um, he, took, he came from Wigan in uh, Lancashire, and he, his father had died when he was at school. The family was not at all well off, and so he was expected to leave school and um, help support um, their mother but the, um, the school said it would be um, a great waste and he was um, allowed to go to Wigan Mining and Technical College to do an University of London external degree in chemistry um, and he did extremely well in his uh, career at, on the strength of that but he was determined that I should go to university and he wanted me to go to Oxford um, 
I I was bright, I was hardworking, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, for a long time, well, at first I thought I wanted to read chemistry like my father, but then I realised, um, and I got chemist, physics and chemistry O-level, but um, I realised I didn't want to be a scientist. So for a long time I was unsure between history and English. I did both a-level and eventually decided to apply uh, to Oxford and Cambridge to read English and so I did a, I did very well in A-level and stayed on for a third year and the sixth to do Oxford and Oxbridge entrance papers. I was refused uh, a place at Cambridge. I did the entrance papers and they said no thank you. I then applied to St Hughes and St Hilda's in Oxford to read English and they said no thank you and I then applied to St Anne's which had the entrance um, exams in the January, the others yes. were all in November um, and I applied to read English and I got a letter um, from St Anne's saying we haven't the slightest intention of giving you a place to read English would you like to come for an interview to read PPE? Well, I had to look up to see what <laughs> PPE was. And they explained that English was at that time the most popular subject for girls, so it was very oversubscribed. PPE was not a popular subject for girls because most schools were totally unprepared to teach anything leading to PPE. Um, so I went up, I spent the weekend uh, before I went up for the interview desperately borrowing uh, books from the school library and the public library in St Albans to read about philosophy and I discovered what PPE stood for, philosophy, politics and economics. So I spent several days totally convincing myself that actually I wanted, I didn't want to read English, I wanted to read uh, PPE. And in those days you were invited for an interview and you had to stay. Um, you had more or less a full, uh, almost a full day's interview. Mm -hmm. So I went, stayed the night before in St Anne's. Um, I must have been interviewed by several people, including the principal, uh, who was called Lady Ogilvie, an absolutely splendid woman, and Iris Murdoch. And by this time, I was totally convinced that I wanted to read PPE. I can't really remember the other interviews very well, but I can remember Iris's interview um, to this day, uh, she was sitting on the floor, she was wearing um, bright blue stockings and I couldn't take my eyes off them because I knew of the expression um, a blue stocking from Oxford and I was thinking there is a blue stocking from Oxford and so she said ah oh, I see you want you applied to read English yes why did you want to read English 
Well, I'd forgotten why I wanted to read English. I, by this time, I was convinced myself I wanted to read PPE. So I burbled on about liking 19th century literature. Oh, yes. What? Now, what's your favourite author from the 19th century? Oh, well, Thomas Hardy. So she actually interviewed me about Thomas Hardy, about which I had not got anything very original to say, and I was thinking all the time, but I don't want to read English, I want to read PPE. Um, anyway, luckily, I was offered a place to read PPE, and I'm profoundly grateful that St Anne's, um, which even then had a bit of a reputation for taking risks with people. And I discovered afterwards that Lady Ogilvy particularly, um, who was the principal, um, liked to keep one or two places in reserve. And years ago, well, several years ago, I went back for a Gordy and the then principal, uh, Tim Gardam, who has now retired, but he talked about Lady Ogilvy's funnies. And I sat, uh, he explained, and I sat there and I thought, I must have been one of Lady Ogilvy's funnies. She wanted to keep a few places for people who would not be normally offered on mm -hmm. the strength of their A-level grades and their exam results, but whom she could see had something a bit unusual to offer and somehow or another I was picked out as somebody who might do well in PPE um, for which I'm profoundly grateful. And it changed the course of your life studying Com at St Anne's and studying PPE? Completely changed the course of my life. Um, I I have friends to this day who did read English at St Anne's, who went off to be teachers. Um, I must just go back one moment to my school and the headmistress, um, because I went to tell the headmistress that I'd been offered a place at Oxford, at St Anne's, to read PPE. Oh dear, she said, what a pity. <laughs> So I said, I beg your pardon. I mean, I thought there should be bunting flying of course, from, the, yes, from yes. the school roof. I said, what do you mean, a pity? Well, she said, PPE, you won't be able to teach. And as far as she was concerned, was the pinnacle of a girl's ambition yeah. um, was to become a school teacher in her chosen subject. And I couldn't be a teacher if I um, was going, if I read PPE. Years later, um, I was a lecturer at the Institute of Education in London, and um, we always used to give a, a, a reception for the heads of schools that had provided um, places for students doing PGCE. And although I had nothing to do with the PGCE, um, I saw a list of the people who'd been invited and I saw her name and it gave me such pleasure to go and say, hello, do you remember me? You said I wouldn't be able to teach and here I was teaching and did at she, London and had, and had University. She, and had she remembered? <laughs> uh, 
She remembered me, yes. yes. Whether she remembered that comment, yes. I don't know. But she did remember Good. me. But it meant that I had three fascinating years at Oxford. I was taught by some very remarkable women. There, there were three, my three main tutors mm -hmm. in philosophy, politics and economics were all what the college calls founding fellows. Um, uh, Iris Murdoch was my philosophy tutor. Jennifer Hart was my politics tutor and Peter Aidy, um, a woman, although her name was Peter, um, was my economics tutor. They were all three remarkable uh, women. And, and, and they uh, saw you all th through all three years, which is very yes. unusual now at university. Yes, very unusual. We had other, uh, you know, we went to lectures and we had other tutors for particular um, particular subjects um, but we had some teaching from those three for all three yes. years and I must just say one thing that I remember about Iris Murdoch because as we approached our preparing for our finals called schools in Oxford. All our other uh, lecturers, tutors, teachers, whatever, told us what to expect in the way of um, the exam papers. Some of them even showed us previous year's exam papers so that we could um, use these as a basis for revising for our final exams. Iris didn't do that at all. Uh, so a couple of us said to her, uh, we're a bit worried about what we should be doing to revise and prepare for the final exams. Can you give us advice? No, no, she gave us no advice at all. <laughs> Um, so we thought, well, we don't even know whether we've covered all the syllabus. Um, and so one of us managed to get hold of a copy of the PPE syllabus from the university offices and had a look at, um, uh, she had taught moral philosophy. And we looked at the syllabus and what we were supposed to have covered and we were saying, well, we haven't done that. Goodness me, we haven't done that. Um, and so we were a bit alarmed. When I went along to take the final exam, for all, all three papers, we had to do, we had to choose three or four um, topics for essays. Mm -hmm. In the case of politics and economics, I would be looking at these papers thinking, what subject, what can I choose? I've got to choose um, three or four, I can't remember. Which four questions can I answer? And I managed 
in every case, to pick out four questions that I thought I could answer. When it came to moral philosophy, I read the whole, all the questions, and I thought, I could answer any of these. Which four would be most fun? And I realised that she'd been a brilliant teacher. She had never slavishly followed the curriculum. She wasn't particularly interested in what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, but she'd covered everything, but from odd angles sometimes. And I suddenly thought, she's actually a brilliant teacher, because without seeming to be constrained in any way by the syllabus, she'd actually enabled us um, to cover it. But most of important, and this is what I cannot stress enough, uh, this wasn't just Iris Murdoch, it was Oxford, St Anne's, PPE. It taught me how to think. It did not teach me how to pass an exam. It did not teach me particular topics. Um, it taught me how to think. And because PPE consists of three separate subjects, mm -hmm. each taught by specialists in that subject area, one had the perception that they were all thinking, actually, if you want to be a philosopher, why are you messing about doing politics and economics? You should be doing philosophy. If you want to be, if you're interested in politics, why are you not reading a degree in modern history um, instead of messing about with the other two? And certainly um, the economists tended to think, well, if you're really serious about being an economist, um, you should be reading economics. Mm -hmm. They, nobody ever sat down and explained to us the links between the P and the P and the E. But I now look back and think I had a much, much deeper, broader university education than most people get these days because I, and we had to perceive the links between yes. them for ourselves. And I finished up working as an economist um, I loved philosophy and politics, but in the end, almost by accident, I became an economist. And I spent my, I worked as a, a university researcher and university lecturer um, uh, for 40 years. In the field of the economics of education, which is a very specialist field of economics, mm -hmm. Most of the economists I worked with had studied economics. Um, they were interested in, um, they may have read economics at Cambridge um, or somewhere else. Many of them, and it's true even more today than it was then, most economists spend a great deal of their time doing mathematics and econometrics and they are interested in economic models mm -hmm. and mathematical models. And they are not 
terribly interested in, they devise economic theories, they test economic theories, they're not desperately interested in the implementation of economic policy or economic theories. I was far more interested in um, questions which I now realise were influenced by my study of philosophy. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not a mathematical economist. Um, and it's the way in which economic policy affects people. Uh, it's a the way in which people make choices um, and the way in which um, economics, particularly the economics of education, the choices that people make in their education affect the whole of their lives, as I've seen for myself. Um, I think that that was because I'd studied philosophy at Oxford, that I was, and particularly with Iris, that I was interested in these sorts of questions rather than the underlying mathematical models. Mm -hmm. So I suppose to go, to go back to just, just before Oxford, had, had you... Um, Obviously, by, by this point in time, she's quite a, she's a well-known novelist yes. and, and a well-known philosopher as well. Had you heard about of her before you'd gone up to Oxford? Oh, yes, I had. And I knew that she'd written novels. And I think I probably, that weekend, when I was going down to the library, um, looking up, you know, teach yourself philosophy in the in a weekend, <laughs> yeah. um, I probably took out one of her novels, which which I read a bit of and didn't understand. And that would have, that would have been the first time that you'd yes. come in contact with her fiction. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I'd then, I read, you know, as they came out, I, I read them, I remember, um, vividly. Um, I said that I think I owe to my father the fact that I went to Oxford at all because he, he really, that was his ambition for me and he rather browbeat the headmistress into letting me apply to Oxford and Cambridge. Um, after I'd graduated, I was working in London, and my parents then were, um, were living in London, and I managed to get three tickets um, for the theatre production of A Severed Head. Mm -hmm. And very proudly went, took my parents to see this, and said, you know, she was my, my philosophy tutor. And I can remember now my father sitting there in horror at this play and at the end of it saying, are you telling me she was your moral philosophy tutor? <laughs> and I had to explain that moral philosophy tutor in Oxford didn't mean that she was trying to teach me morality. Yeah, she wasn't being didactic <laughs> about it in that, in that way. But, um, you know, yes. I, I consider that I'm remarkably lucky in all three of my um, St Anne's tutors but uh, and the opportunity to go to Oxford at a time when uh, all the there were only a handful of colleges of girls and they were all single sex mm -hmm. um, but uh, we had opportunities to meet so many people be taught by some of you know the finest brains in the country. Um, I can't remember a great deal 
of the content of any of my tutorials or lectures, but they had a profound effect on me, not sure. because I remember what was said, but because I learnt independent thinking um, and making connections. We had to find for ourselves the connections between P, P and E, mm -hmm. um, but um, we had um, remarkably enlightened teachers um, and um, Iris Murdoch was odd, bizarre, um, and that, her, the, her behave, we knew that her behaviour was very strange, she often would be sitting on the floor, um, she would be, uh, we would have tutorials with two people um, and I'm still a very great friend of um, the woman who um, was mostly my um, tutorial partner um, with Iris, um, and we're still very great friends today. Um, uh, but it wasn't the the content of what she taught us that has stayed in the mind, but um, her personality uh, and the way she was totally serious about um, you had to approach uh, your essays, your tutorials, whatever you she would set as a, a an essay to write um, and you had to be totally serious about it. I mean often um, one left it to the last minute to write it and a number of times I was finishing an essay at two o'clock in the morning before a tutorial. At it, it still happens today with my students. <laughs> it happens, but yes. you had, you couldn't get away for a moment with being frivolous with Iris Murdoch and yeah. sloppy yeah. or anything. She might apparently, uh, she would ask you a question and then she would go off on what seemed to be a totally irrelevant uh, uh, sidetrack but only afterwards did you realise it wasn't irrelevant it wasn't a sidetrack it was actually totally relevant to the question she'd asked you um, and you could not get away with being lazy she didn't forgive laziness um, she didn't you could get away with quite a lot, but you couldn't get away with being unserious or lazy, really. That was mm -hmm. what... And uh, you'd see her once a week? Yes. Yes, for a couple of hours? Not the whole three years. Sure, but, of course. Um, but um, certainly... Uh, and one would see her in... in um, she would come and dine in hall, um, and you'd see her occasionally in the library... Um, but um, I never, I never, I went to lectures in um, in the university um, by other people. I never went to a lecture by her. I never had anything except uh, not quite one to one, but two to one mm -hmm. um, tutorials with her. And I think that is remarkably 
generous in terms of, you know, her time. Of course, yes. Because at this point of time, of course, she, um, she, you went up in 59? I'm 59, yes. Okay, so she's um, obviously getting into her stride with her fiction. She's, yes. She's published some ma- yes, major works. Yes, I read Under the Net. Yeah. And uh, some of them I didn't read until after I'd left because one didn't have the best woman in the world. One didn't have a huge amount of time. time for reading fiction um, because we did have to work pretty hard. Um uh, and, I mean, I did lots of other things. I I joined lots of societies. I was very active in um, uh, Oxford music. I sang um, with the Oxford Bar Choir and the Opera Club. And um, so, you know, I did, lots of other, <laughs> I did lots of other things. Yes, sure. Uh, but it was a wonderful three years, and I'm still in touch now. With, my, with St Anne's and I'm going up in September for um, for the Gordy um, and um, I'm still in touch with so I've got a lot of a lot of my closest friends um, we, we studied together in Oxford mm-hmm. did you uh, did she ever mention her work to you either in philosophy or, or her fictional work in, in tutorial? <laughs> Not directly, but one of the things I remember very vividly is that in tutorials we might come across, uh, we'd be, she would ask us what we've been reading, she would tell us what to read, um, and maybe, um, yeah, because we were, she was teaching moral philosophy, um, we often had to discuss questions like, free will and choice and Mm -hmm. how much choice do individuals really have when they think they're making a decision Um, and how are they influenced by background and um, who influences them and why are they influenced and one of us would make some observation and she would say well can you think of an example to illustrate that? And we would struggle to think of some fairly unimaginative, rather banal example of, you know, somebody facing a, a challenging choice. And she would say, hmm. well, why don't you imagine? And then she would launch forth into a kind of mini scenario that could have come from one of her novels Um, and we would be open-mouthed realizing that we were watching listening to her creating a little scenario that might appear in a novel next next time or might have already appeared in a novel but she would never say for example if you remember as i wrote in um the sea, the sea. I don't. I think that came out later. Yeah, the, but, bell, uh, the bell. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. She never yeah. referred directly to her novels, but we were all aware of them and you know reading them and then thinking, what should we? But we never. She never directly referred to them. We never directly referred to them. them. It was just un- understood that uh, that's yes. that what she was doing. Yes. What about her philosophical work? Um, I was, funnily enough, I was much less. Um, 
aware of that. I mean, obviously, I knew she'd written about Sartre. Um, I knew uh, that, um, I mean, there were the names. We knew what we was, the people we were supposed to, Michael Oakeshott. Uh, we knew who we were supposed to be reading. Um, but she never um, personalised. Yes, she, ne uh, she never said, this is my essay I'd like to read. No, no, no. 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 And um, actually, very often, she didn't give very precise directions as to what we should read. Uh, we sometimes had to find it out for ourselves. Um, or she would steer us, but give us a very, very broad general steer, and then maybe say, well, what did you read before you wrote this rather boring essay? Um, and um, But she would never... I mean, that's part of what I mean when I say we were taught how to think. Yes. We were not told, please write an essay on this topic and these are the sub books that I want you to read. We were left, we were given a bit of guidance, but we were left very much to um, read what seemed to us to be interesting, challenging, um, and um, I can't, I must confess, I mean, I cannot uh, remember particular topics that I wrote brilliant essays on or terrible essays on. Funnily enough, I mean, I have a much clearer memory um, of an economics um, tutorial, not with Peter A.D., because um, as we got further... Um, into our three years um, were choosing specific topics for um, uh, we were going to choose a paper in yes, such sure. a topic um, we would send out to have tutorials with Dons in other colleges and I can remember um, that we were sent uh, this friend and I, same friend whom I remember having philosophy tutors, tutorials with Iris, um, we were sent for a particular um, special paper to an economist, Don, at Queen, the Queen's College, who later uh, became a deputy governor of the Bank of England. So he was, became a very distinguished economist. Mm -hmm. And we, he'd set us a, um, a topic. We had to write, we both had to write essays. And this was the great thing then in the Oxford tutorial system. You were required to write an essay and then you were required to read it um, out loud to your tutor who would sit there looking bored or mystified or irritated <laughs> while you read yeah um and sometimes with iris she would interrupt and say why did you say that and then off one would go but in this case i think we both read our pathetically inadequate essays on marginal cost pricing in the nationalized industries particularly with a view to the railways at the time. And at the end of it, he said, 
you like a glass of sherry? <laughs> and we thought, how very civilised, you know, goodness me. You must be pleased with us, be offering us a glass of sherry. So he said, yes, please, thank you very much. Tell me, do you like economics? <laughs> and of course, we real, I, we re, I realise now that we'd both written appallingly bad essays. And he was thinking, why am I wasting my time with these two young women who uh, really don't know what they're talking about? Um, and to my astonishment, I finished up being a professional economist, <laughs> not being a professional philosopher, um, but not in that particular area. Um, but I can't remember a vivid example like that with Iris. On the other hand, I can remember sitting reading essays and that she tended not to let you rabbit on till the end and then could make comments, which he had done, um, but to sort of interrupt as you went along yes. and say, well, well, why do you say that? And what makes you think this? And, um, and so you did have to defend your uh, point of view um, as you were reading and then she would ask questions. And that was, again, incredibly useful as, yes. a, as a kind of intellectual discipline. And I suppose there would have been more sort of uh, fashionable approaches to moral philosophy at that point in time, or, or, or was there a sense that with with Iris, so long as you could sort of defend your position, she was quite happy to take on a Platonic reading as if an existentialist reading. Yes. Oh, yes. You had to defend, and you had to explain, and then she would perhaps offer an alternative view, um, which we, you would then have to think about and then discuss, but she would never say, that's complete rubbish. Um, why on earth have you said that? Surely you must have read so-and-so who um, argues that against that point of view, because maybe we hadn't read it. Um, yes. um, but she, she always seemed to take the, well, that's an interesting point of view, even if you later realised that it was a point of view that with which she had very little sympathy. Okay, sure. Um, she never said. She never ruled That's it out. Wrong. She never ruled it out of court. Mm. Yes. Okay. And so, uh, so, so when when you went up, it was getting towards the end of her tenure at, at St Anne's, wasn't it? Yes. As well. she, I mean, I I was. She was there for my full three years, but I can't remember exactly when she resigned. But um, it was after. Um, I'd left. Um, yes, it was in uh, not very of, long after. Uh, yeah, 1962. Well, yes. I, I graduated in 1962, so, yeah, so I was very lucky actually yes. to have her for the full my full three years. And um, it's clear that she that uh, obviously there's an official line to her um, stepping down and then taking up a new post in London, uh, and. Uh, as we know, St Anne's website still states that she then stepped down to devote more time to writing, even though that's not quite right. No. But it was clear that there was more going on behind the scenes. Yes, we, are, we were not really aware. I mean, it was only some years later that I realised that actually, um, you know, she was persuaded uh, that... Um, Strongly persuaded, you might say. That it would be... A, in everybody's interests, including hers, but certainly the college's, um, if she um, uh, stepped down. And 
the official version, I suppose, even then was that she um, wanted to devote more time to her uh, writing. But it was only afterwards that, you know, it became clear to me and to others who knew her that she wasn't doing sufficiently well in her um, you know, the novel writing at that stage for it to for her to earn a living from it. Yes, it came late. That came later, but she actually had to um, take other teaching posts, which she did. Um, and, but we didn't. We were not aware of it. We swallowed the official version, um, um, and it was quite a bit later that I realised that this actually. <laughs> wasn't really true and as I say to this day the website gives the official version that sure. she chose to resign her fellowship um, in order to devote more time to her writing. Was it was there quite a lot of rumour around her at that point I mean be, I, I suppose it's uh, perhaps unfair to say that in a, a women's college there would, there would be a little bit of gossip a little bit of scandal at that point in time but was it just were the students very much apart from, from the faculty? Yeah, it, I don't remember. I mean, there was a little bit, I suppose. But um, to be brutally honest, we were far more interested in our own romantic entanglements than in the, the, than the Don's romantic entanglements. And when was looking back... Um, I was rather naive, I think, and there probably were other um, of my uh, other students who knew more than I did. Um, but it wasn't. There was the odd one heard the odd little rumor, but one was much more um, interested and in. Do you know that? so-and-so's got a new boyfriend. That was one of mm -hmm. our friends and our fellow students. We were far more interested in what they were up to than what our tutors were up to. Sure. Um, but I certainly, um, I know perfectly well now that, um, you know, uh, Iris was not by any means the only one who wasn't engaged, who was engaged in what would now be regarded as extremely um, bizarre relationships of one sort and another. I mean, Peter Ady, the economics tutor, was um, also had some very, very questionable um, love affairs, I think. Um, but we didn't really know very much about it, and we weren't that interested. Mm -hmm. um, um, Jennifer Hart... Uh, the third of my tutors was engaged in and she was married and um, uh, I've since read her autobiography and I realised that she was um, engaged in the most extraordinary um, set of relationships and she and her husband but we weren't um, a little bit of a shock to, to find this yes. out yes <laughs> yeah, so um well, what 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 else do we should we talk about? I suppose. Um, did you did you ever 
Was there any uh, social events that you saw us with? Did, did you ever meet um, John? I don't time? remember meeting him. Um, yes. Uh, there were, uh, I mean, social events were, um, uh, we would, she would, she would dine in hall. We, I was very fortunate, actually, uh, when I was going up in 1959, um, was the year that the, uh, the official opening of the um, dining hall uh, of St Anne's and it was 1959 and um, it was the first time ever that the whole college could meet. There was a room big enough mm -hmm. in the college for the whole college to meet together and there was a high, there was a high table which was um, on a little platform deck, and so they, the dons, would, um, if they were going to eat, um, lunch was very much a kind of help yourself sort of thing. But there were some formal dinners, and certainly, you know, we would see her there. Probably, John Bailey would have been there uh, as. Uh, Know, for as, a a, 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 as a guest for yeah. dinners, um, but I don't have a vivid memory of him at all. And she, she, her, I, in, in those days, um, most people who lived in college um, lived in, there were a whole series of Victorian houses that um, the college had either bought or been given. And St Anne's is located uh, between the Banbury Road and the Woodstock Road, mm -hmm. and the road that joins the um, uh, Woodstock Road and the Banbury Road is called Bevington Road, and the whole of one side of Bevington Road was owned by St Anne's, so they were, and um, you could, you could get into the houses from the street, so that when you came, you know, at the beginning of term with your suitcases and uh, and so on, you could get in through the front door, um, but um, you most of the time got in from the um, through the garden and um, from the from the college. Um, campus and Iris actually had her uh, rooms and um, I suppose if she was staying the night in the college that's where she slept um, but um, certainly that was where she taught and what in one of the houses in Bevington yes. Road and I lived in Bevington Road so literally I just walked a few houses down Bevington Road so I can remember her room um, and um, you know absolutely was always untidy uh, there were books everywhere in piles uh, I'm afraid when I'm writing now I seem to have adopted that bad habit so <laughs> I have little piles of books everywhere and I know what wh where, where everything yes. is but anyone coming in would think that's pretty chaotic 
and it was just like that. She had piles of books everywhere on the floor, on the shelves. She might be, she might give us a cup of coffee or um, yeah. I can't remember the sherry, but she probably did. Um, well, she did but, like a drink. Pardon? She did like a drink. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but um, it was looking back now. It was a magical period, but one just accepted it all. One didn't ask questions. And I think some students probably did ask more questions than I did. I I took things at face value. If somebody said they were retiring to spend more time writing novels, I believe yes, them. Yeah. <laughs> and so you graduated in 1962 and she left in 1962 um, allegedly to write, to spend more time writing, but um, in in reality, yes, she continued writing, but went, went to, to London to, to the RCA to, to teach. Um, I'm fascinated that, I mean, I, I don't know very much about her teaching there, but I mean, I'm fascinated that she chose Royal College of Art to, 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 to teach. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a very good book by one of her students there who became oh. quite embroiled in her life. Oh, really? And um, he, he, he appears in several books. Yes. And um, that, that wolf, wolfish boy, she used to refer to him. But yes. she, she, did, um, she picked up students in, um, in a certain way to, uh, as, as friends, uh, but um, more than that as well. I mean, not, oh, yes. I'm not, not, not suggesting full-blown love affairs, but um, certainly um, she was quite keen on exploring, her, exploring London and, and exploring it through and with other people. I said earlier, I haven't read from beginning to end, but I've dipped into and browsed and keep on reading in that way um, um, A.N. Wilson's book, and it's perfectly clear that both Iris and John Bailey loved having, um, you know, sort of... They having a relationship with students or former students in which they would discuss, give guidance, um, yes. and uh, I was never in those. I think she probably, some of my fellow students did have that kind of relationship with her. I didn't. Uh, I think she would have regarded me as far more too uh, conventional and, um, you know, I wasn't interesting enough for her to develop that kind of relationship right. with. Though one of my fellow students um, doing PPE at the time, I think probably did have a much closer relationship with her um, and they may have discussed things that um, uh, I never discussed, nor my great friend who we shared tutorials together. Um, but one of our, there were six. So you, so, um, so, so just to, you, you and your, you and your, um, your, your friend who you're still friends with now had quite a, a very professional relationship with. Yes, with our, yeah, entirely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but one, there were six undergraduates um, doing PPE in our year at St Anne's. One was an Indian, an extremely interesting woman who um, had already taken a first degree in um, 
an Indian university, but had come to Oxford on a scholarship and was taking, um, rather than doing a postgraduate degree, she was taking um, a second, first mm -hmm. degree. Um, and um, she was older than um, the rest of us, and um, I think probably um, uh, she may have, you know, talked more to Iris um, or to, to some of the other tutors um, about her life and what was she was going to do when she went back to India. I'm still in touch with her, um, but obviously I see her very, very rarely. Mm -hmm. She lives in India, but she has been back to St Anne's a couple of times for a, on a visiting fellowship, so I have seen her within the last few years. But the one of the six of us who, you know, probably appealed most to Iris as being an interesting person mm -hmm. um, was Rose Dugdale, right. who went on to um, uh, she became in became very famous um, because she was the d daughter of um, a rich aristocratic family in Britain, and she became a um, a sympathiser and eventually a full-blooded member of the IRA. And she and her boyfriend stole some uh, pictures from her father's house in order to sell them to raise money for the IRA. And she went to prison, and so did he. Um, and she became notorious. Um, now, I think that... Uh, but she also, after she came out of prison, I think, I'm not sure whether it was before or afterwards, she did a PhD on Wittgenstein. Mm -hmm. So I cannot believe that she wasn't very much influenced. Sure. I mean, she wasn't, she didn't do it in Oxford. She, I think she lived in Cambridge. But um, clearly, she and Iris must have had debates about philosophy at, at a level that I never did, but I suspect also debates about um, their political views and um, sympathies and I mean I can imagine that Iris would think that Rose was a far more interesting person to talk to than I was. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I still uh, I look back on it with great um, fondness. With, 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 with uh, I feel that I was remarkably lucky, yes. um, actually, um, in all sorts of ways. And my whole time in Oxford, I look back with great. It had a great effect on my life. I look up on it with pride and respect and fondness and uh, pleasure. Um, and um, I'm very, very lucky. I must just pause for a minute, if yes. I may. Yes, of course. And if... There's a group of ten of us who were friends in Oxford and are still friends today. 
uh, which is unusual in itself, I think. Um, we weren't all equally friendly all the time, but right, there yeah. were little sort of overlap, overlapping circles of three or four. Um, but, um, and so until very recently, all ten of us would occasionally meet up. And I mean, this year I've... Um, uh, I met four of this group in um, Cambridge for lunch um, in July, um, and my closest friend from Oxford days, who lives in America, is coming. I'm going to meet her later in the year. So, out of the ten of us, that means, you know, I will have met um, six. Um, this year, yes. which is, I think, probably good going, pretty good going. Absolutely. Very, you know, one of the this group um, of friends introduced me to my husband um, because my husband was a colleague of her then boyfriend. Um, so you know, my Oxford um, career, if you call it that had a huge effect on my life in all sorts of ways. Mm. Friendships, um, I met my husband through it, though not at Oxford. Um, so I, I, I really do feel remarkably privileged to have had that opportunity. And, and apart, from, apart from keeping in contact with students, were you, uh, after graduation, did you um, see any of your tutors again, any, any contact with any of them? Funnily enough, I did. I did with Peter Aidy because it was it was very strange, really. I think of of the three subjects, probably I would say now, looking back, probably I was best at philosophy. Mm. I think I probably, in terms of you know. And this was in a way reflected by the fact that I thought, well, I could answer any of these questions. Which one would be most? Which would be the most fun? Um, she taught me so well without my being aware of it. Probably I did, in terms of you know marks. I mean, one's not given marks, but uh, probably I did as well in philosophy as in anything. I would have said that politics was my main interest and I applied, the first job I applied for was as a research assistant for um, somebody at Nuffield College who, I um, can't remember his name at the moment, it'll come later, but he was one of the first people to develop um, the, field of res uh, the field of research in what's now known as psychology, mm -hmm. um, studying elections. And he, I had an interview for with uh, him as uh, a research assistant, and I remember to this day the interview. And he said, "If I offer you the job, what about you will annoy me most?" <laughs> <laughs> a devastating question. Anyway, whatever I said he decided that that would annoy him, so he didn't offer me the job. <laughs> um, he offered right. it to somebody else, right. which 
that turned out to be a disaster. And so he then wrote later and offered me the job. But by this time I'd got another job and I said, no, thank you. So I could have finished up as a specialist in electoral systems, but um, I instead got a job as an economist and then um, uh, was uh, working for many years at the, uh, in a research unit on the economics of education. Um, and of course, uh, at the University of London and one of the areas that I did a lot of work on was um, planning education in developing countries. Mm -hmm. And Peter Aidey um, had, was an advisor to the um, predecessor of the ODI, um, International Development Agency. Uh, and um, I, my boss, knew of her name uh, but had never met her and so I con he said he'd quite like to meet her so I contacted her and invited um, her to come and meet us for lunch. It was a complete disaster. They in they're both very strong characters and they took an instant dislike each other and I was sitting there having invited them both to introduce them aware that they were you know sitting there loathing this whole experience and lunch and each other and me probably for inviting them and putting them together in the first place it was hideous um, <laughs> but I never did the same with Iris <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and certainly not with Jennifer Hart though I, I did go back I mean as I say I, I now go back my college quite yeah. a lot, but um, not in the early days. No. And did, did you keep reading her fiction as it came out in the seventies oh, yes, and eighties? Yes. yes. Not every one, but um, um, I, I certainly did. And I mean, the Bell I remember very vividly. The Sea, the Sea I remember very vividly. Um, and um, um, then we. The local branch of the St Anne's Alumni Association, um, I'm very much involved with, and we meet. We have a, re uh, a book group, a book group where we meet two or three times a year, and um, uh, we decided we would read one of Iris's novels and discuss it a couple of years ago. Um, but um, and so, but I haven't, I haven't. Reread them for quite a long time. I'm Which not, one did you choose for the book group? I'm trying to remember, actually. Uh, the Black Prince. Ah, oh, my favourite. <laughs> really, it, yes, it is. How did, how did it go down? Well, it was. We had a very, very interesting discussion, and not everybody liked it at all. But um, uh, we did have quite a lot of um, discussion about what we should should choose. It isn't my favourite, actually. Um, but I, it was very, very, very interesting. But. Um, uh, can can you hear her coming through? Can you hear can you hear uh, ideas that she would have discussed with you? For maybe philosophy. Yes, I can. And now you know, I ought now to go back and reread something. And you can almost hear her voice, maybe. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And now, I mean, I I've read, uh, I've bought Conradi's uh, biography. I've now 
um, in looking at Ayn Wilson, um, I read two of the uh, John Bailey's books, which I must say I did not enjoy and I felt physically uncomfortable mm -hmm. reading them and I just thought... You couldn't make you, the third one, yeah. You should not be doing this. You should not be writing. She would hate it. She would have. She was a private person. She would have hated to have her weaknesses and her illness paraded in this way. I know that he says that he raised money for the Alzheimer's um, uh, research fund. As a matter of fact, years ago, when they charities were still allowed to, um, you know, to ring people up uh, to ask for money, I got a phone call uh, from the Alzheimer's Society uh, asking if I would give a donation, and I said yes, certainly. Um, and it must have been not long after, I, uh, certainly before the film, mm -hmm. it was not long after one of John Bailey's books had been published, um, and I said, that she'd been my tutor in Oxford and that I therefore had a particular interest. And I've been giving the money. I took made a standing order and I've been giving the money ever since. Um, but I do think she would have hated mm. the thought that he was writing those yes. books. Um, and what did you think of the film? Oh, I didn't enjoy it at all. I mean, I, there again, I just felt uncomfortable and you shouldn't I mean uh, I was too because I knew her I just felt uncomfortable in seeing her uh, she wasn't paraded in, in some ways it was very sensitive and um, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't the person you remember no, at all absolutely not yeah. and in any case I mean I now well I know somebody quite well now who's got Alzheimer's and I think I don't want to remember her, you know, if she were to die tomorrow, I wouldn't want to remember her as she is now. I would want to remember her as she was before, um, when she was... Uh, sensitive and funny and mm -hmm. interesting, um, not the kind of wreck that she has become. And I felt the same about oh. Iris. You know, I yeah. don't, that's not how I want to remember yeah. her. You want to remember her in her prime yeah. as she was when she could produce these wonderful situations out of her head when she yes, was taught teaching marvellous. And I mean, now looking back and, I mean, I, before I went to that meeting where I met you, and, and I was thinking, what was that? What am I going to say? And I remembered going to see a severed head, and and my father being very shocked that she was my philosophy tutor, and and so I reminded myself of the plot, and I thought, as I was reading, I was like, oh God, yes, I'd forgotten this. Anna Klein, I mean, these wonderful names, Anna <laughs> Klein, yeah, I remember that. Um, and it's years since I read it, but um, you know that's an example of these incredibly elaborate, complicated plots that she developed, um, and interesting characters, and the, 
very difficult uh, interrelationships between them. I mean, she was doing, and of course now, I know that people are saying that if you follow them through, the later ones are much, I read somewhere that somebody has done an analysis of the vocabulary mm-hmm. and that the last two have a much, much more restricted vocabulary than the yes, earlier ones. Yes, certainly. Yeah, so, and and especially, especially Jackson's Dilemma, the final yes. novel, yeah. Yeah, comparing an early novel, a mid-period novel, and, and the mm. later one. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating study, actually, to see somebody who has been writing through their entire life. And so you can, you can, you can see the decline. Yes, is it uh, unfortunate? And, and, in, and indeed, in, into the early nineties, when she gave up her, she'd been working on a book on Heidegger and, and gave it for ten years and gave it up in ninety three because she wasn't didn't feel like she was getting getting anywhere. One with of it. the things I do remember in the film, which I found heartbreaking, was you know where she at some stage suddenly sort of looks up and said, "I think I used to write books." Mm. <sighs> Terrible. Terrible. Yes, and and word for word to one of her friends. Yes, yeah. But we, I think we can end on a positive note as well, can't we? Oh, absolutely. Yes. No, I mean it's. She was a remarkable woman, and I have happy memories, and I, those are what I cling to. Not look 